Right now at Safeway, shop the Big BOGO sale and get all your favorite cleaning essentials. Buy one, get one 50% off. Head into Safeway and shop for select items like Febreze air fresheners, Airwick scented oil refills, Glade three-wick candles, Mr. Clean antibacterial cleaner, Method all-purpose cleaner, or soft scrub cleanser. And get them buy one, get one 50% off. Offer expires November 28th. Restrictions apply. Visit Safeway.com or head into your local store for full offer details. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Most people are familiar with term life insurance. And the reason that term life insurance is so cheap or, you know, affordable, but cheap Mm -hmm. (laughs) is Mm -hmm. because it's usually for a term or a period of time, maybe 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Typically, most people have life insurance up to like, say, age, you know, in their 50s or up into 60. And the reason that it's so cheap is because actuarially speaking, right, just based on real information, real data, it is so unlikely that a person will pass away in that time frame that the risk to the insurance company is so low that they're able to offer you that product for such a low amount of dollars. Mm. In actuality, less than 2% of all term life insurance policies actually pay out a death benefit. That's how wow. likely it is for you to pass away. 2%? In that time. Less than 2%, wow. okay? Welcome to the Share the Wealth Show, where minority professionals can learn to escape the racial wealth gap and catapult themselves into abundance. Your host, Nicole Pendergrass, grew her net worth from being negative to multiple six figures. Join her on her investigative mission to expose secret strategies of the wealthy so we can all have the tools needed to build the life and legacy we were created to possess. Now it's time for the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back for another edition of the Share the Wealth Show. Today we have with us Leslie Batson, and she launched her company, Rebel Rock Wealth, a strategic financial consulting firm to share wealth building strategies with independent thinkers. She teaches professionals, investors, and small business owners the whole truth about money and helps them implement strategies to design, control, and build the wealth style that they desire. Leslie is licensed in several states and serves clients across the country. She loves Hamilton, the musical. I love that too. And playing golf, <laughs> downhill skiing, and taking up space in a hot, sandy beach. Oh, we got That's so much common just with that. <laughs> Welcome, Leslie. Thank you thank for joining you. us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah. I just gave a high level overview of your bio. So if yes. you want to dig in a little bit on what really was that trajectory that got you to where you are now in your career, more about why you started Rebel Rock Wealth, and what was that process like? So I guess I would start with saying I was working in IT. My career was in technology. I worked in IT for over 20 years before I transitioned into this business full-time. If you know anyone who works in IT, it's a very challenging field to be in, very time-consuming, just very stressful. And so I knew I was pretty much getting burnt out and I really was looking for something different to do. I realized like, there's no way I can keep this up for the next, you know, whatever, 20, 25 years. 
I want to do something different. I need my money to work harder for me than it already was. I'd been, you know, maxing out my 401k and doing all the things that we've been told to do, but it wasn't quite getting me to where I thought it should. So I wanted to get into real estate investing. And so I started listening to different podcasts. And there was this one particular episode when this gentleman came on and he started talking about different ways that you can find capital, use capital to leverage, to, you know, enhance or multiply your real estate investing. And he was talking about the infinite banking concept. And this is where you're using whole life insurance to be able to not just build your you know, personal wealth, but you be able to leverage it for your investments. First of all, I had never heard of this whole concept. Actually, at that time, I'd never even heard of whole life insurance, if you can believe that. I knew all about term life insurance, but not whole life insurance. And as someone who at that time, it's just been a few years from divorce and I don't have any kids, I thought, well, why would I even care to have life insurance? But I continued to listen because the guest himself had his own podcast. I went and listened to his podcast and I realized like, okay, this isn't about when you pass away and when you die and the money that you leave for your loved ones. This is about how do I use it while I'm alive? And at the same time, I really started thinking about, as I mentioned, how like my 401k, it just seemed like it had so much hype, (laughs) but just not enough results. And so what I came to really learn and study and what I share with my clients and others when I speak is helping them understand how does money actually work? How does it really work? Because we understand what, you know, Wall Street or the IRS or whoever it is wants us to understand, but we don't always have all the information to make the most informed decision when it comes to money. So here's an example of that, the 401k. So for most of us, especially if we're higher income earners, we are maxing out our 401k because we believe that we're going to get this tax benefit. And in fact, yes, you know, you will get tax reduction in your current taxes if you put your contributions in a pre-tax basis. But what we're not thinking about is all the time that our money is sitting in our 401k account, especially those pre-tax dollars, whether that's 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, that account is growing. And so your tax bill is growing. You're literally contributing to an uninterrupted compounding tax bill inside of your retirement plan. So at the time when you actually need to access that money, when you're no longer actively working, you're going to have to pay a much higher tax bill. And if you're in, like I have a lot of clients in California, New York, or high tax states, when it comes time to actually take out that money out of your 401k, many people, when I run the numbers for them, they're going to realize that actually the balance that they have is probably, you know, what they'll actually pocket is probably going to be two thirds or maybe only a half of what they actually thought they were going to have. And it's shocking, (laughs) but it's true. (laughs) And so I try to help people understand because no one ever talks to us about that. They just say, yeah, max it out, max it out so that you can save on the taxes today. But no one ever talks about what's the impact of doing that down the road when we actually need to pull out that money. So between fees and taxes, like I said, it literally for some people can be anywhere from a third or half of their balance is gone. It's disappeared. So they've been working all those years and putting it away for all those years and being disciplined, but they only end up with half of it. Let me play devil's advocate real quick. I'm going to jump in and say the (laughs) argument is though, even if your balance is large, you're only pulling out a certain like smaller amount per year. So you'll get taxed on that smaller amount. Does that still apply? Absolutely. It still applies because we can't forget about the time value of money. So the longer your money is sitting in that account, assuming it grows, I mean, of course, you know, you could have a market crash and it gets cut in half, like what happened to people in 2008, but assuming it continues to grow and increase, 
you're paying taxes on that higher amount, right? So okay. yes, technically, let's just say, for example, you've been putting money in up to age 65. Okay. Let's just say you have a million dollar balance at age 65. Yeah. If you keep that money in there, what most people will do is they might say, okay, I'm going to pull out a certain amount so that I've maybe depleted it by, let's say, age 85. Because number one, you don't know when you're going to pass away, right? But let's say that they've kind of figured out, okay, I'm going to calculate pulling this out because hopefully they have money in other places. So they're just going to focus on retirement monies that they use over that 20-year period from age 65 to 85. Well, in that 20-year period, that money, even though you're not contributing anymore, that money, that balance is still growing. Okay. And when I show my clients, I just show them based on the fact that they're still in the same tax bracket, right? Mm -hmm. It's highly unlikely that 20, 30 years down the road, that the tax brackets that exist today are going to exist down the road. I personally believe that they'll be higher. I can't prove that, but you know, there's so much debt on this country. I can't imagine them not increasing the tax rates. So they might say, okay, well, today I earn, let's say 250,000. And so I'm in, you know, this tax bracket. Well, when I'm 20 years down the road or when I'm, you know, 65 or 85, when I pull that money out, I'm not going to need to pull out 250,000 because, you know, I won't need that much. But when mm-hmm. we look at inflation, okay, Nicole, like we've just seen recent reports, it's <laughs> like we've been using 3%, but it's really Forever. five, seven, depending on what you're looking at, whether it's gas, food, healthcare, inflation, or the cost to buy things, that purchasing yeah. power is actually getting reduced. So what you can get today for 250,000, you're probably going to need, you know, 400,000, you know, 20, 30 yeah. years from now when we look yeah. at inflation. So if you don't think that you're going to be pulling out at least as much as you're using today, you know, you're probably just not understanding how the math really works, how the numbers really work, right? So I tell people the real strategy is doing, you know, what might feel like the hard part today, which is just pay those taxes today because we know what those taxes are. So just get that out of the way today and then redirect your money into vehicles where it can take advantage of that, right? Where you're not going to build up a tax bill. Deferring Mm -hmm. taxes is putting yourself in a position where like you don't know, right? And I believe that we should be planning for as much certainty and as much control in the future as we can. So that would mean for me, In my situation, I had immediately just stopped contributing to the 401k period, (laughs) but for some people, they just said, okay, I'm just going to put, you know, hundred percent Roth. Fine. If you still want to contribute, just do Roth. Don't do pre-tax monies. Now you're still going to have those fees that are going to be whittling away that annual, you know, fee that's going to whittle away at your balance, but at least that tax bill isn't growing, you know, in the meantime. But if you were to just redirect those contributions from a 401k into something, say, like a whole life insurance policy, yes, your money grows tax deferred inside of the policy, but you're able to access it, right, without Mm -hmm. a tax consequence. So Mm -hmm. you're actually building up an asset. So the one key thing is that, and a lot of people don't understand this either, is your 401k, if it has pre-tax dollars in it, it is not actually your money, right? It's the IRS's money. Until you have paid those taxes, it really isn't your money. If you see, mm. you know, a statement, if you ever roll it over to another custodian, it'll, you'll always see that it will say in care of, you know, in benefit of Leslie or, you know, whatever, but it yeah. doesn't say this is Leslie Batson's money. Right. And that's because <laughs> as long as there's still some tax due on it, it's not really your money. Honestly, it's the IRS. And that's why in most cases, like a bank won't accept your 401k as collateral, anything like that, because the IRS is going to get their money, right? Whenever they need it, they need to know that it's not 
you know, committed to a bank or someone else, if you, you know, can't keep up with that loan, the IRS is going to get their money first. Right. Oh, oh my goodness. Like, sorry. All right. I just want to interject because that's such a shift in mindset. Thinking of a 403, (laughs) a 401k, a 403b as uninterrupted tax compounding tax bill later. Like I that's never what even it, thought that's of it what that it way. is. That's and truly what it is. Yeah. <laughs> it makes so much sense. And yeah. I actually stopped, like I'm on your same page. I've stopped contributing to my 403B. I only do up to the match just for what the hell, like I'm, I might as well get the match if my job is going to give me half. So it's like 3%, you know? So I do very minimal because I'm going to use other vehicles. And I know there's other things out there. But yeah, so I think, thank you for that one nugget just basically made me have a shift in how I think about it. And even with a Roth, so will Mm -hmm. a bank, you said with the 401, because you don't really own it, it says in care of, which is another mind blown moment. But with a Roth, if you're going to do the Roth, because that's what you feel comfortable with, can you borrow against that? Is that really now your money because that's already taxes paid on it? You still have a penalty if you withdraw too early. Right. Right. So there's a difference between loans and withdrawals. So if you have a Roth, like we're talking about a 401k, right? So if you're still actively employed and your 401k is still there, you can take a loan from a 401k, whether it's Roth or non-Roth, right? But Mm -hmm. the key difference there is that, so let's just say, again, you've got a 401k, let's say you have $300,000 in there. Number one, in most cases, if you want to take a loan from your own 401k, you can take a maximum of $50,000, right? So they limit how much you can actually take out. Usually it's a maximum of $50,000. Usually it's a maximum of five years that you can take that money out. They will, you know, use, they will start taking back loan payments, you know, essentially from your paycheck, some limitation on the control. But the key thing is when you take that loan, that 50,000 is coming from your money. So your balance drops to 250 while you go use that 50,000 mm-hmm. elsewhere. Okay. So, so it's not compounding uninterrupted. Right. Those $50,000 don't get a chance to grow anymore. Yeah, it's great. You're able to use them for whatever you use them, whatever you pull them out for, but it's not growing in the time that it takes for you to pay them back. Compared to say an IRA, if you have a Roth IRA, you can't take a loan against an IRA. You would have to do a withdrawal or, you know, you just have to use it, whether it's for investing or otherwise, but you can take a withdrawal up to the monies that you have contributed. That's like the cost basis of that. You can withdraw income tax-free. As long as those earnings have been in there for at least five years, you can access those income tax-free. But if you take any monies out within that five-year window, Mm -hmm. you could be subject to taxes, right, from a Roth. So, but again, the key thing is with the Roth, there's those restrictions, right? It's still that the IRS is kind of setting some rules as to how you can access, you know, your own money, right? Yeah. As opposed to with a whole life insurance policy, let's use the same comparable example. Let's say if you had $300,000 of cash value saved up in your policy, and you wanted to borrow $50,000, you would borrow, basically the insurance company is looking at the equity that you have in your policy, which would be, let's say the $300,000 in uh, cash value. And then they're going to lend you their money. While you've accessed that $50,000 in equity, the loan from the insurance company, and you go and use it, maybe deploy it for an investment, however it is, it didn't come out of your cash value. So your 300,000 is still sitting in there and it's able to grow. So essentially it's uninterrupted compounding growth, right? The opposite Mm -hmm. of what's happening in the 401k. Mm -hmm. It's still growing and you have the option to pay that back. However you choose the insurance company is going to, you know, they're going to obviously charge you to use their money. So there's going to be some interest charge for that loan and they're Mm going to charge you a full year interest upfront. Okay. And they're going to charge that to you each year based on what's outstanding. 
So I always encourage my clients to at least pay back the interest each year. Okay. Yeah. But the key difference is when I leverage the equity in my policy, my balance doesn't go down. I don't have to worry about any restrictions. Like if I wanted to access a hundred thousand, I'd be able to do that. Right. There's no restrictions around that. I'm not limited or capped at this 50,000. If I want to take more than five years to pay it back, I can't. Right. I mean, there's a lot of just different options and lots of flexibility in being able to do that. Okay. And the thing is you pay interest when you take a loan from your 401k as well. You know, you You still pay interest. interest. Yes. I mean, if you borrow money from anybody in any situation, you're going to pay interest, whether it's a credit card, you know, your 401k, a loan from the bank, you know, HELOC, you know, anything like that, you're going to pay some interest. Exactly. And I really like the flexibility that if you're taking the loan from your whole life insurance and with the high cash value, then you really can control when you actually pay back principal. So even you pay a small of the interest, you know, yearly, but if you're going to invest that money and you're not going to decide not to pay the principal at all until you get a return from that investment enough to cover that payment, then you could really leave that money out for however you want. You're just paying the interest each year, but you know what I mean? Like the life insurance company can just take it from the death benefit. If you never pay it back. Right. So I do like that. So, okay. With a life insurance, because I have one of these policies, I found out about this a couple of years ago. I saw the value. I went ahead and implemented it and Mm -hmm. I've already used it. Right. And so I know there's a lot of technical detail within that whole concept of this whole life insurance policy, but let people know, tell them a little bit more detail about how that needs to be set up. Cause I know it's different than a traditional whole life insurance policy with the setup, because this does accumulate cash value very quickly, sometimes within the first year, and you can add extra money to it to help with the cash value and boost that. And that just increases the basis level for your compounding growth in the future. And then also I've heard ideas about using it, not just pulling the money for investments or other life occurrences, but also using it for like end of life care or retirement funding and things of that nature. So can you go into those two things? Because I feel like that's something that people don't realize you can actually use living benefits of a life insurance company because they only think about the death benefit. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yes, I could talk for hours about all the different benefits (laughs) of a life insurance policy, but just at the high level view. So number one, because like I mentioned, I didn't even know what whole life insurance was until, you know, when I started this. So I should break it down just with people who might've been in the same boat as me. So most people are familiar with term life insurance. And the reason that term life insurance is so cheap or, you know, affordable, but cheap Mm -hmm. (laughs) is Mm -hmm. because it's usually for a term or a period of time, maybe 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Typically, most people have life insurance up to like, say, age, you know, in their 50s or up into 60. And the reason that it's so cheap is because actuarially speaking, right, just based on real information, real data, it is so unlikely that a person will pass away in that time frame that the risk to the insurance company is so low that they're able to offer you that product for such a low amount of dollars. Mm. In actuality, less than 2% of all term life insurance policies actually pay out a death benefit. That's how wow. likely it is for you to pass away. 2%? Less than 2%. Wow. Okay. So I'm not saying that there isn't a use for it. It's, there's definitely a use for it, right? And especially I still offer convertible term. Convertible term life insurance is where you hold this insurance for a period of time. Let's say it's for a 20-year period. In that 20-year period, you're able to convert those dollars into whole life insurance over time because maybe you can't afford all the insurance that you're entitled to right away. 
Mm-hmm. But we can at least get you insured for that amount using a term policy, a convertible term policy. Mm-hmm. And as your income grows over time or your net worth or you know you have other incomes coming in, we can then start to convert it from term into whole life. So you're able to start to build wealth in that way. But you know, some people, all they can afford is term. So it's good. It's better to have some insurance than none. But with whole life insurance, you have this cash value component to it. Okay. Term life does not have this. Whole life insurance has this cash value component. I tell people to think of it as sort of the wallet of their whole life insurance policy. Mm -hmm. So the first job of life insurance, when you're paying those premiums, is to be able to replace your income upon death. That's what that death benefit is for. Mm -hmm. And the other key thing is that death benefit goes to your loved ones income tax free. When you leave your loved ones an IRA or 401k or, you know, most, even a bank account, (laughs) any, most other vehicles, they're going to have to pay taxes on that money once they receive it, once they withdraw it themselves, right? So just just receiving it. I'm just talking about just income tax. I'm not even talking about estate planning, you know, anything like that. This is just income tax. You pass away and you still have, you know, 500,000 in a 401k. When your loved ones, when they start to withdraw those monies, each time they take a withdrawal, they have to pay the taxes. Just like we talked about when, you know, when you would take the taxes, they're going to have to pay the taxes on it. And that income that they take, is going to be added on to their income. So it might push them into even higher tax bracket. So they're going to end up paying more taxes than you probably would have wanted. Right. So it's like, are you really leaving your money to your loved ones or to Uncle Sam? But with a death benefit (laughs) from a life insurance policy, it is going to your loved ones income tax free. Okay. Okay. So that's the first thing. That's the death benefit. That's the insurance portion of it. And then, like I said, there's the cash value or like the wallet or the savings portion of it, right? Mm -hmm. This is a great alternative than having, you know, your savings in a bank earning Mm 0.01%. You know, this is like your capital reserves. This is where your long-term money, this is where you want to keep this, you know, and say like that wallet or cash value portion of your whole life insurance. Now, as you alluded to, there are other living benefits, meaning there are other ways that you can take advantage of your policy while you're alive. So there's something called an accelerated death benefit rider. This is usually offered by most top carriers for no additional cost to you, but you have this ability to be able to tap into the death benefit in your later years, or I guess it doesn't even have to be in your later years because there's a terminal illness portion to this. So if you were diagnosed with some kind of illness or sickness, and the doctors only estimated that you'd have 12 months or less to live, you'd be considered terminal. And if you needed to be able to tap into these funds because maybe get assistance from a nurse, you're not able to do some of your just daily activities, you know, washing yourself, you know, cleaning yourself, some of those things, you might need to hire a nurse or you might need to go to a facility. You can tap into these dollars and use part of that while you're alive to take care of the cost of some of those services. Okay. And then just like you're alluding to, it's essentially a loan, but it just has some different tax benefits. But Mm -hmm. once you pass away, your family doesn't have to pay that back. The insurance company would just deduct those costs or what that amount that you had outstanding deduct it from the death benefit that they then pass on to your loved ones. Okay. Yeah. Now there's also something called a disability waiver of premium that I always encourage people to get, especially if they're you know still in their twenties, thirties, even fifties, because this covers in the event that you were to get sick cancer, something where you might not be able to work for a certain period of time. Mm-hmm. If your income gets interrupted from a qualifying you know, health concern, the insurance company will take over making your premium payments for you. So they'll keep your policy in place. Your policy will continue to grow from those premium payments. And they'll do that up to a period of time. For some companies, most companies will do it up to two years. And after that, if you're still not able to work because of whatever the health issue is, they will just essentially consider your policy paid up at that point. 
So it just means you won't be able to put any more additional money into it, but your cash value is still going to grow. Your death benefit is still going to grow if it's structured properly. And when I say structured properly, what I mean is, as you mentioned, most whole life insurance policies, if they're designed by you know someone who's just not familiar with the strategy, they're probably just designing the policy for the death benefit. This is opposite. So this is really designing the policy for the purpose of building up cash value sooner and quicker. It's a little bit harder to explain, but just keep it at a high level. It's a policy designed to build up high cash values. And you want Mm -hmm. to have this with a mutual life insurance company. A mutual life insurance company is one where the policyholders are the owners. Okay. Okay. A stock insurance company is one where they have shareholders. So obviously they're going to be focused on investing in things that might have a little bit more risk. They're looking on creating a return for their shareholders and then potentially paying a dividend to Mm -hmm. the Mm policyholders. You don't want to be second. You want to be first, right? So you want to be at a mutual company that is going to be investing, you know, conservatively, making sure their portfolio is growing so that 20, 30, 50, 80 years down the road, the money's there for your family to get the death benefit when you pass away. But that's why you want to work with certain companies that have been around. The companies I work with have been around since the 1800s. So mm-hmm. they've proven that they have longevity. Yeah. So there's lots of different living benefits is what we call them that you can get as part of the whole life insurance. Okay. That's mm-hmm. great. You know, like I said, I have the policy, so I'm sold on it. There are some people who just feel like they have other things in place that cover all of those issues down the road. But I think there's just so many other benefits, like the death benefit oh. is the cherry on top instead of the primary exactly. use, right? I love it. I love the flexibility. I love that it grows uninterrupted. I love not having to pay on anybody else's, you know, principal payment schedule. And I think it's a great idea. Now, so this is what I'm going to do. The last two questions of the show that I'm going to ask every guest are these. Warren Buffett said that diversification is protection against ignorance. What's your take on that? I 100% agree. You know, I hate to sound like a broken record or like I'm trying to, you know, sell life insurance, but it's important. So diversification, how I hear that, what I'm hearing is, need to have a diversity in the different types of vehicles that your money is in, diversity in the types of things that you invest in, and making sure that not all of your money is investments, right? So Mm -hmm. at the most fundamental level, there's savings and there's investing, right? Mm -hmm. Savings and investments. Investments are where there's some degree of risk, whether it's low risk or high risk, but there's Mm -hmm. some degree of risk that you're putting your money in. This is money that you should know that like it's money you're willing to depart with, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then there's savings. Savings is the principle is safe. This is money that you know that you're going to need down the road. So you don't want it to be at any risk at all. It needs to be liquid. You want to be able to have access to it. You want to have control, all the things that you can't typically control an investment. That's what your savings should be. So when I think of diversification, I think of you need to have money in both pools, right? Mm -hmm. The more money you have in savings, that's like safe, secure. It's not necessarily going for a rate of return. It's going for, like I said, security, control, access. The more money you have in savings, the greater the permission you have to invest. Because if that investment goes sideways, at least you still have that pool of money in reserves. That money, the cash flows coming in from those investments, they should be going into those reserves. And then you leverage those reserves for the next investment. Because again, If you have a great investment and you just kind of keep reinvesting and then that final one goes bad and now all that money is gone, Mm -hmm. you never were able to recapture any of that. Yeah. Right. There's a great strategy of being able to leverage from your capital reserves 
and deploy it into your investment. So diversity to me is so crucial. Wait, wait, don't go yet. Have you been looking for a way to get started in real estate investing, but you just don't know how? You need the Launchpad. It's brought to you by my company, Norvest Holdings. And the Launchpad is a free guide with a ton of resources I've compiled to help you invest into your first real estate syndication. It includes terminology, book resources, video explanations, all the information that you need. Don't know what a syndication is? I got you covered. How to find a good operator. How to even tell if a deal is good or not without having to know how to underwrite it all. It's all in there. The Launchpad is designed to help launch you into the next stage of your investing career and get you invested into your first multifamily syndication as a passive investor, meaning you can be a landlord and own a piece of a large apartment building, but still go about your day-to-day life without having to stop and learn every single detail about what's under the hood and how it all works. The link to the guide is in the show notes. Make sure you sign up today. Again, this is a free resource and guide. And if you have any questions at all, please feel free to reach out to me. Now let's finish up the show. That's where it comes where you really have to know what you're doing and get educated in the space so that when you're investing, it's not that you're being ignorant about what you're doing and just picking a whole bunch of things just to like make sure that you don't, if you don't lose all your shirt in one area, but that's really because you're not too keen on what is involved in each investment vehicle that you're putting your money in. And I also like that idea of recycling that money. So you have savings and you have investments, but you're at the same time, you're building up that savings account for the next investment, but you keep recycling it. And that's what I feel like the whole life insurance policy is. I feel like I'm double dipping. Like I put money in there. I use it for (laughs) an investment while it's still in growing. So I'm growing on one side, but I'm investing on the other side. So I'm getting returns on two different sides from the same capital source. So I think it's just a a great way. Yeah. Last question. You've (laughs) played Monopoly before, right? Yes, I have. Okay. (laughs) In your Monopoly game-winning strategy, Boardwalk or Baltic Avenue and why? (laughs) Wow, that's a good question. I'm probably going to have to go with Baltic just because (laughs) I feel like it's just a better return on my money, (laughs) to be honest. I don't like paying full price for anything. I love nice things, believe me. But, you know, nice things sometimes come at a cost. If it's an investment, I'm definitely looking for Baltic. If it's maybe where I'm choosing to live, uh, it might be closer to boardwalk. <laughs> <laughs> no, true. Um, but that makes sense because with Baltic too, lower cost investment. So you can get that quicker and get the ball rolling faster, right? Instead of absolutely. waiting till you build up all your savings to the level where you can buy boardwalks. So, but right. no, I, you I, I can like get that. into Baltic so much quicker than you can get into yeah, boardwalk, right? You I can mean, get the hotel up there quick. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. Thank you. So thank you again so much for being on the show, but also where can people reach you? How should they, if they want to contact you and ask more questions about what you do or potentially even become a client or just, you know, connect, how can they connect with you? Absolutely. Best way to reach me is on my website, rebelrockwealth.com. You can see a button there to schedule time. We can have a quick chat. You can follow me on LinkedIn as well. I'm there. You can just look up my name, Leslie Batson. You can find me there. Okay, perfect. And we'll put the links to both of those in the show notes so everyone can reach out. And I hope, you know, you take some pieces of what 
Leslie said, and if you were in a completely different mindset or sphere when it comes to life insurances as a vehicle that for actually investing, I hope now that you have your eyes opened and you actually inquire into that and make sure you're going to the right type of advisors who can actually implement the strategy in the way that Leslie is talking about, which is like an infinite banking type of strategy. Yes. And can I just add a quick note there? Sure, sure. Touched on it. You might start go researching infinite banking, IBC, something like that. And there's a lot of people out there online, social media, who claim to be able to you know, teach you how to do it. Like I'm an authorized IBC practitioner, right? Mm-hmm. So I encourage people if you, of course, you can work with me. I can serve people in pretty much every state in the US. But if you go to infinitebanking.org and you want to find a practitioner, you can go there. That's how you're going to know that these people are authorized and know what they're talking about. <laughs> I'm not saying that the other people who aren't authorized don't know what they're talking about, but there's a lot of misleading information out there. And I think it's important for people to have the whole truth. Perfect. I yeah. love it. Thank you. We'll put that link in the show notes as well. And yes. thank you again, Leslie, for joining us today. You're welcome. Thank you for the invitation. No problem. I'll see you later. Did you love this episode of Share the Wealth Show? Be sure to connect with Nicole by following her on LinkedIn, Instagram, or Facebook. If you picked up any of the gems that were dropped by today's guest, make sure you not only put them in your bag, but if you know of someone who would benefit from this information, don't keep it to yourself. Share the wealth and make sure to leave us a rating and review. We'll see you for next week's episode. Subscribe so you'll be notified. Everyone deserves to enjoy a McRib at least once in their lifetime. Because when you're this saucy and tangy and tasty, a life without one creates a serious case of FOMO. The McRib is back. Don't miss the classic you've been craving. Get a McRib, filet of fish or Big Mac and get another for a dollar or mix and match. Prices and participation may vary. Valid for item of equal or lesser value. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.